the bonfires of social enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global. This is Rami, and I recently discovered a social enterprise all about empowering the dreams of women called Lips and Hips. These feminine and powerful women launched an organization full of village-type support. They've even gone so far as creating an organic, vegan lip gloss line as one of the revenue streams, which we'll hear about later. The lip gloss is available in colors with names such as Worker Bee, CEO, and Activist. Really fun. Here's part one of a two-part discussion with founder Yodit Mesfin Johnson. Welcome, Yodit. Hi, Rami. Thanks for having me. So let's jump right in. Tell us about Lips and Hips. I founded Lips and Hips to create a space where um, girls and women could dream, plan, and then do the things that they are purposed for in their lives. We're not a professional association or a club. Um, we're a company that's focused on women's personal leadership development. We curate events and experiences, and then a year or so ago, we wrote our own curriculum to take women through a deep dive of personal leadership development. And Rami, really this started about four years ago. Um, I was about a year into motherhood, and feeling crazy. <laughs> and and by crazy, I mean just pulled in a lot of directions. I'd gone back to work, and I was juggling being a mom and a wife and an entrepreneur, having worn a couple of hats previously as an entrepreneur. And I started to think about where's the space for me? Like, what am I going to, you know, what's my life about beyond roles? And so the genesis of Lips and Hips, which I'm excited to share with you, sort of started there. Yeah, there's such a pull. We can, as mothers, we at times can feel like we're almost losing our identity in some of our other roles. What was one of the first steps as you started to go through this self-awareness that you want to do something? What was your first idea to start Lips and Hips? Well, I think it's more like a multitude of ideas, right? For me, it's like this flood of things. And what was driving me was, how could I be present more in my own life? I felt really compelled as a mom to have my life professionally, um, spiritually, foundationally reflect and to create this space at home that reflected the values that I had so that our son wasn't just hearing those things but was experiencing them. I also definitely felt that sort of call from Mahatma Gandhi, we must be the change we wish, wish to see in the world. You know, I felt like I heard from Gandhi himself, <laughs> you know, telling me, yo, deep, you must be. Um, but I, I do want to also say that I think I was like so many other moms, right, where this is a gift you've been given and I, I to be a mom, but also that there's no manual for motherhood. And so that first year was full of these awarenesses and the what? And the, I got to do what? It, you know, that kind of experience as well. In fact, I called like my, I wish I could call my mom, but she passed away. But I have all these like gap moms or mom twos, I call them. And I'd call and go, why didn't you tell me about that? And they would say, well, because if we told you, you wouldn't have any babies, you know? <laughs> So definitely um, what inspired me most was um, wanting to uh, 
A, you know, wind down my career, what I had done to earn a living and to 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 now start to marry my personal values with the work that I would do going forward so that our son could see that. And the same was true for my husband. So how did you start to laser focus in on girls? Because uh, I know from talking to you and learning about lips and hips that you really decided to reach out to a specific demographic. Yeah. So um, but first I want to say, especially for people who are listening, who are maybe thinking about starting a business or maybe you have a business, but you're off kilter a little bit is I this passion for girls and women probably started two decades before. Right. I just wasn't hearing it. I, I couldn't align it. And in, in this intentional of a way, you know, things that need to happen sort of to prepare you for the work. So I had spent the last decade working on behalf as a consultant, a business professional on behalf of women and minority entrepreneurs, primarily in Michigan, but I'd been a speaker and, you know, had traveled and done work nationally and globally. Uh, what I noticed, particularly being in um, Detroit, a city that was coming out of really um, a challenging series of decades um, and starting to reimagine and reinvent itself, is I noticed that there was a gap for um, women 25 to 45. And, and, and by gap, I mean there was not a leadership pipeline for that demographic. So um, we have professional associations and organizations that target women who are at mid-level career. You know, there's mastermind groups for women who are at the pinnacles of their career. Mm. Um, but there wasn't, uh, at least as I looked around, there wasn't a place where a woman who, you know, had graduated college but was still early in her profession, or maybe someone mm. like me, which was true of me at the time, that was, I'd been out of college for a while, but was still um, in an emerging leader is the the word they like to use. And so what I started doing was the very first thing I did was to convene a group of those women in Detroit. You want me to tell you about it? Yeah. What? How did that all go? So, so you're getting them together. You've got this idea. How smart of you to start asking questions instead of steamroll? That's what some of us do sometimes. But how smart of you to do that? What happened in some of those early discussions? I do think that this was what worked as an advantage for me was having had that background of working in business development. And so as a business professional, I taught other entrepreneurs, if you're opening up an ice cream store, before you open those doors, you better have your customers come eat that ice cream and tell you that they would buy it, right? Um, so that's one of the first things is this idea of co-creation. It kind of can be a buzzword, but just think about those two, two things, that you're really mm -hmm. co-creating the solution the enterprise with the people who would mm. potentially pay for it or support it or tell about it. Um, so yes, I convened this group and I shouldn't, I'm saying I, but there were and continue to be a group of women who really helped me make this work possible. Um, like a lot of your listeners, potentially, I was doing this at my kitchen table at night while working full time and, you know, doing things at home with my family. So um, there, it is not just me, um, although I did found the company. But a group of us put together about 100 women in Detroit in 2010, roughly, and asked them, what do you need? And overwhelmingly, what we heard is it wasn't professional development. You know, I don't need another how to market or how to network or how to pitch my business. What they really needed was a village, an, a group of other 
professionals like mm-hmm. them that they could bounce ideas off of, that they could connect with intimately, that they um, may be able to share failures with in a slightly more intimate setting. And so that really was the genesis of Lips and Hips was we convened groups of women for the first year. And then what were some of your aha moments? What were some of your discoveries that maybe you didn't expect during that first discovery phase? Looking back after the first year, uh, I think another important part of that kind of piloting phase is evaluation. And so as I was looking back after the first year, I'm like, it was amazing. Women connected and we, you know, we talked. There was actually a lot of talking, <laughs> a lot of eating. Um, and I was sort of trying to land on the tangibles, right? Like, what did we do? And um, and I initially felt like we would had an epic fail because I couldn't land on like, oh, well, we had, you know, five women that got a new career. Or we had six women who had babies or we had, you know, I couldn't, couldn't count that. And so ultimately what I figured out after that first year of reflection was that we were providing a space for support and accountability Mm. and that I could measure. So when the, when women, when we created this space and provided support and accountability, one of the things that came out of it was that women had less negative self-talk, right? Mm. The, or limiting beliefs, which is often what gets in the way of us living the life we're purposed for. I'm not smart enough. I'm not enough. I don't know enough. I haven't done enough. I don't have enough money. I don't, what have you. We were able to help dispel that. And part of our sort of sweet spot is getting women to speak their truth, right? So it's really powerful for me to say that while I've had many businesses, most of them have failed, To say that to another woman who's getting started really is probably some of the most powerful advice you can give is that permission to fail. You know, sort of expect the boogeyman that's coming, right? (laughs) And then he's not so scary, he or she, or not so scary. So that was some of our takeaways from that first year was, one, the importance of evaluation. So we continue to evaluate and iterate all the time, our business model. We're constantly tweaking. I don't really use a business plan. (laughs) I don't have some, you know, 20, 30-page document. Um, Instead, I use really nimble tools that allow us to um, react and and be present. Um, And I'll give you some examples of that in in a moment. Yeah. Well, you're really hitting on a lot of our truths that we talk about and almost borderline preach (laughs) in the marketplace about just paying attention and being adaptable. Those are some of the most important tools. Pay attention to what others are saying. Pay attention to what you're seeing. I think one of the things that can come against us in business in general is when we get so busy, we're running the race without stopping to say, why am I running? Why is everybody else running? Why are they not running? You know, to pay attention to all those. And I love that you hit on the fear piece and the fear of failure because I always say, why is it that we're a culture that we only celebrate failure in the casino? I mean, why is that? We, uh, failure is a really important part of learning. So, okay, transitioning here, getting off my, getting off my soapbox. So what does that look like today? We were meeting kind of um, like monthly meetings with uh, women for that first year. And we asked them at the end, so, so what do you want? Um, and they wanted to meet, but, you know, I think all of us um, like to have structure, right, and predictability. And so what they asked at that point was, could you 
helped me to sort of work towards a goal. And our tagline, dream, plan, and then do, was sort of born out of that request from our customers, right? Mm -hmm. So dream the dream for yourself. In other words, diminish that fear as much as you can, push down on that, and instead lift up the abundance, the opportunity, the vast potential that exists in all of us. And then we're not going to get stuck there as visionaries, dreamers, startup entrepreneurs often do. And this is not exclusive to women. Many, many people get that idea, right? Mm -hmm. It falls in your spirit. You're thinking about it, but you can't quite get past it. Mm -hmm. And so the second value proposition that we had was that we would work alongside women to operationalize that dream. Mm -hmm. So take me through the steps it takes to accomplish it. And so I don't want to give away our entire recipe, but one of those components I alluded to earlier, which is identifying the hurdles, what's going to get in the way. So here's an example. One woman in our class wanted to go back to school because she really wanted to shift her career, but she was the primary earner at home. So how do I go back to school, but still work and still have a life? I have, you know, and so we started to work with her around what would that plan look like? And we identified um, another important component, which we believe is your village. We have these um, five or six archetypes of individuals we think you should surround yourself with. You know, someone who sets a speedometer for you, we call her your speedometer, um, your BHAG, someone who will talk you through that big, hairy, audacious goal that you have, right? Someone else who is your Mrs. Sunshine, right? Your cheerleader. But oftentimes we have lots of cheerleaders, but not the right set of skills to help, help us actually accomplish that mm -hmm. next step. So so that was another important ingredient was helping women identify those that village, mm -hmm. right? That group mm -hmm. of um, both professional and personal champions that could help her in that very narrow way, right? So if I'm working on going back to school, my village has people who can help me accomplish yeah. that. Not yeah. just mom or dad or not just my husband or my partner, but, you know, someone who, who has the ability to help you get there. And then the other piece that we really focus on is quick wins, right? We need, if you're working on big goals like getting back to school, you know, what's, the, what's one win? Oh, got that, that financial aid filled out or boop. Um, I reached out to my old alma mater for my transcript or, you know, um, and so that, that's the plan part of our tagline. Um, now switching a little bit to do, let's say someone who came through our group wanted to start a business and we get lots of women that come through our leadership program that want to do that. So yeah, she started with that vision and literally we do vision boards with women when they start. But um, and the planning. So I said I'm I'm sort of adverse to traditional business plans, but we definitely believe that proper preparation prevents poor performance. Um, so we do some planning um, and then doing. So we're trying to teach the women in our program who have entrepreneurial ideas what you probably talk a lot about, Rami, which is a MVP, a minimally viable product, right? So you want to sell jewelry? Great. The people you should be selling jewelry to to start with are friends and family. Do not go out and buy a building and set up and just set up shelves and put and spend all your money on the jewelry. 
jewelry, right? Start small and get those quick wins. So start doing, getting in the work. If it's um, weight loss she's after, just take 10 steps. You don't have to run a marathon. Mm -hmm. If it's um, a divorce, right? Just take the one step of going into mediation. You don't have to run to the lawyer's office to get the divorce. I'm almost sidetracked and distracted because I all of a sudden want to become a client. <laughs> hey, how did the name come about? Lips and Hips. It's really fun. Oh, this is such a funny story. So um, there, are, I have this group of friends. I have lots of friends. I'm really blessed in that way. But I have this group of friends that are kind of brass, right? And so these are the ones that if you say, do I look fat in this dress? They'll be like, yes, Kyle, you do. You look fat. And I love having that realness, right? These are my sisters. I can only hang out with them about four times a year because otherwise, you you know, it just kills your ego. But, but that's what they do. They kill your ego. Go, they keep your feet planted on the ground. They're also there for funerals and for happy times. And, and, and so we get together quarterly and we sit around at a friend's house and there might be wine and there might be something else. And we're all just yakking it up. And um, I was saying to my friend, gosh, how could we bottle this? Right. How could we bottle the girlfriend club into something that was more than just the girlfriend club, right? How could we take all of the best principles of what happens when women get together, you know, when we are not hurtful to each other or condescending or competing, but rather that sisterhood. It used to be sewing circles, right? Or in the 50s, it was women who got together, you know, at home. Um, they were stay-at-home moms. So so nothing is new under the sun, Rami. But Lips and Hips was born out of that group because in that group, we celebrate our voice and we celebrate our femininity. We use our voice and we honor our womanhood. And that I wanted to start a company that you would think about that was bold, that the name was tongue in cheek, but it also was in your face that I am woman and I am proud. And particularly at this time where a lot of young women are struggling with identifying as feminist because we have exploited that terminology. It has felt exclusive to some women. You know, it's thought of as the wealthy white woman's movement when in actuality, the, the fundamental belief of feminist practice is equality is parody. It says that women deserve, right, should have, should be recognized on par socially, economically, politically, and in every other way as our brothers, right? It doesn't say that you hate men. It doesn't say that, you know, you're disparaging to other genders. It says women matter. And in my circles of women, Women matter. So and that's kind of a long way, but I, I want you to know that we were very thoughtful, you know, when I came up with that, when I just landed on that would be our name. Your brand is important, and I want the women who participate in my program, they can't be pansies. They got to be boldly willing to embrace the things that scare us, the things that get in our way, and have just a desire you don't have to know how to do it, but a desire to live a life of purpose. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, email this link, bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com, to a friend and help spread the word. Music by Dan Castle and Thomas Rojo. 
Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami Jingress and are copywritten 2015 Jingress Global LLC and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Jingress Global LLC.